0: The following interview with Terry Moore was conducted at the recent Dallas Sci-Fi Expo. You can subscribe to the Giant Size channel feed and receive all of the main Giant Size shows on which these interviews are excerpted, as well as these artist edition extended uncut interviews. Without further ado, here is the creator of Strangers in Paradise, Echo, and Rachel Rising. So, um, Rachel Rising. Recently, I, I mentioned this to you yesterday. I was I was really thrilled to see this huge social media explosion uh, in support of it. When you you kind of sent out an SOS, uh, maybe it's probably the best way to put it, saying you know the book needs needs more support uh, for it to keep going. Um, and uh, and I, I wonder what what that experience was like for you. You kind of put out the call, and then uh, did did things just blindside you? Um, Not blindsided, but it was very
1: gratifying to see the sport. Uh, The sport was just terrific. Um, And it was obviously from my own readership. But the fact that my own readership then began to talk out to the rest of the world, that's what you hope for. Um, Because when I... Tweet something. I'm, of course, I'm I'm, ta- I'm preaching to the choir, right? Uh, I, if, I, if somebody's reading my tweet, they already read the book. But the goal was, you know, just speak about it to your retailer, let the retailer know that you know to order it, because you're trying to defeat a natural dynamic in, in retail shops where they just want to order in and less, and less, and less 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 until it's gone, and that's just the cycle of retail. So the only way to prevent that is reader demand. And I was just trying to give that a boost, a kickstart boost, you know. And I hope it worked. I won't know until uh, I get order numbers in for the next couple of books if it had any effect. It's not something you can tell overnight. But I was certainly very pleased with how many of my readers and followers on Twitter and things like that how many people
0: rose up to talk about it that was really good well well this this is my attempt at, uh, at helping be a part of that wave and uh, so let's let's talk nice. a little bit about Rachel Rising okay. uh, one of the things that I love so much and I, I reread the first volume last night which I've read two or three times over because it's just it starts with a pace that just doesn't relent and it it never relents it just keeps moving and keeps moving it's In terms of the pace, the way that I describe it to Friends is it starts, it doesn't stop, and it's like your favorite serialized TV series that just never disappoint you. Just keep building the stakes issue by issue, episode by episode. Um, And I I wonder what first of all interested you in telling the story of a dead protagonist. Or well, we'll say a a dead but not dead protagonist. Was it zombie movies? Was it a a particular influence? Uh, You know, something... I know when we, we talked about Echo, you said that there were those 1950s science thing, origin story types of stories that you really dug. Uh, what, was it, what was that for Rachel Rising?
1: Um, that's a probably uh, a multifaceted answer because it comes from several places. There wasn't one moment. Um, if you look at my body of work, it, and prior to Rachel, you'll see that a lot of it is about victims um, uh, coming back to face their um, problem or their problem person. Um, so it, it's about it, it, it's about and since I tend to write about women, you'd see it was women coming back to face head on their demons. Um, so it, it was it comes from that that kind of storytelling where. Uh, I was, you know, in, in our culture of horror and violence, we think that the predator is, can be the last word in a confrontation. You know, that if you get a serial killer and he's killing people, well, the stories of each of those people is over. And I'm, I'm frustrated with that. I, I, I'm sick of serial killers and predators, and, and um, I, I wanted to do a story where one of the victims comes back and makes their life a living hell. And that's kind of where I started off with Rachel, Rachel is that it was going to be about her just stalking down her murderer. But this whole first story arc has been about, you know, something else even bigger. And when we resolve this big story arc uh, about the witches and everything, um, which we'll resolve in the next issue, uh, then I'm going to have Rachel turn her focus back on whoever put that body in the gully, Rachel's body in the, in the ground. So... It's just one of those things where I'm really interested in um, making the lives of hard asses and predators and bad guys and these, these scary, scary things in the closet. I'm interested in um, attacking them. So this is my way of attacking them. And it's a really interesting. Not, if not a bodybuilder, rough, mean guy does it, but if just a regular woman turns around and can attack
0: that scary thing in the closet whatever it is you know so
1: that's what i'm interested in
0: well these strong female characters are something that you've been known for throughout your career and one of the one of the interesting supporting characters that we meet early on is a, a young girl uh who has uh, you know I, I don't want to spoil things because i want this to be at like any of these shows a good way in for people um But I find it—I find it particularly interesting the way that you case this young female character, where you know, well, for example, there's there's a young female character in The Walking Dead that you know that has had some prominence in the TV adaptation of it, uh, too. But I think a a lot of times that that age and vulnerability of a character is is kind of played one note and one way a lot of times in fiction, and and I wonder in particular with Zoe. you know, was was that a, another aspect to these, I guess, turning the corner on these victim stories, uh, you know, the, the reason that you, you wanted a character like her in here, or where, where did she come from?
1: Um,
0: I like the, uh, well,
1: from the same person that wrote Strangers in Paradise, what I did with SIP was I wrote I Love Triangle, and then... Uh, made uh, I cast a love triangle, and then I made everybody swap scripts. Scripts one to the right. Everybody moved to position. Move over. your cast role one to the right. Yeah, and um, so now it's interestingly miscast, and you have the same situation and the same dialogues, but they're coming from the wrong mouth. Uh, so that made the love triangle a lot more interesting. And I'm kind of doing the same thing with Zoe, the, the 10-year-old, in Rachel Rising, where um, she's assuming a role that would normally be paid, played by a completely different human being. And because it's Zoe doing it, it's fresh, it's interesting. And terrifying. And it's terrifying because uh, we become numb when we see a, uh, the same thing over and over again. So if we see, say for instance, we see a hunter... Um, killing and skinning a deer uh, we're used we we may okay we accept that because we've seen it we know it exists but if you see a fashion model step off a french runway and do the exact same moves in her fashion model clothes and maybe she does it in, in a plaza in italy it's disturbing it's different you know we have your attention, you know? So, uh, that's... And that and isn't that kind of the goal of art was to look at simple things in a fresh way? You know, there's a reason why Warhol painted these 30-foot soup cans, that kind of thing. Look at this different, you know, nat- or out of context, and it's it's a fresh way, of fresh eyes. She's my attempt at that. I mean, and, and it's worked for me, and, and not only of that, course. but it was sustainable. She's She's fresh the second time she does it, the third time, you know, so... Um, it's been proven to be an interesting
0: character, maybe my most original character in the series. She, she really is, uh, as, as much as I love your protagonist, uh, your titular protagonist, Zoe is just blowing my mind, uh, really, of, of the various characters that, that you've written. Um, so, you know, you've, you've got stuff to do and everything, um, but to close things out, uh, what is the best way for people to, say, engage their local retailer? Is it to ask them not only to order it, but to... Um, you know, feature the, the product, to ask you to come out and do a signing. You know, what what's the best way that people can, can continue to mobilize support behind this if they pick up, Rachel, and they get hooked on that first volume like so many of us have? Um, it's really not even up to the
1: individual, you know, to place his order through the store so much as it is to make the store know that the book is loved and desired and popular and talked about. Uh, Just conveying a sense of popularity of the book to the retailer helps. Because if the individual goes to the retailer and says, order this book for me, the retailer will order one book, keep it under the counter until that person comes and picks it up. So it it remains a secret. Nobody
0: discovers it on the shelf if it's sitting in a pull list box. Right.
1: And typically what a lot of retailers do these days is they'll order um, just for their pull list, and then they'll order one for the shelf. And the one on the shelf
0: is gone immediately, and then, so now I'm out of sight, out of mind, out of view. So it's a it's a terrible. So syndrome. maybe encourage them to, in addition to ordering some of the recent issues, you know, order a, a stack of the first volume and stick it on the counter.
1: Yeah, if if they're if they would keep the book out on the shelf, it would make all the difference in the world. Um, people, the, book, the stores that do keep the uh, Rachel on the shelf, find that it sells uh, it sells better than Batman and Saga in many stores. So it's a very strong title. It's just that um, it has no advertising. And that's, it's not, that's a terrible thing. It's not plastered into the back of every image or DC book. Right, right. So, and that's a bad thing. And but that's the limit of me being an uh, indie publisher. So, um, just letting conveying that sense to the retailer that talk it up and all that that helps more than even an order sometimes because you can get the book anywhere. Um, so that that helps a lot, and and keeping the buzz up online and stuff like that. And and in my part, what I try to do is I try to make. I'm trying to make every issue that I make my best ever, the best work I've ever done because it, the competition's very fierce out there. So I I never worked harder and it's um I've never gotten such good reviews on a book. So I'm hoping for the best that it'll all pull together and, and find its find its voice
0: in the, in the public. And that's and yeah you know, the rest is up to the world you know what happens well it really it really shows in the end product and uh it's it is it is the one that i i fight with myself as to whether i'm going to put it on the top of my stack the week it comes out or the bottom of the stack saving it for last Mm. uh which are you know the i just uh, you know i need to get my hands on it Mm -hmm. or you know what i want to save i want to save the the uh, the satisfying dessert for uh, for the end of the meal Uh, (laughs) so thank you so much for putting so much effort and so much of your of your heart into this thing. Thank you. It's outstanding. It's it's actually an honor
1: to be able to still work in comics, so it's a privilege. Thanks, Terry. Yeah.
0: Again, this interview was excerpted on Giant Size Episode 3 at ESN.FM. And as I said in the intro, you can subscribe to the Giant Size channel feed and get all of these uncut creator interviews alongside the main Giant Size panel show. Rate and review the show on iTunes, this feed, all the feeds. If you like what we're doing, that helps in a big, big way. And also visit our sponsors at the sponsor page that you'll find at ESN.FM. There will be three creator interviews following this one in the feed. Chip Zdarsky, Francesco Francavilla, and Kate Leth. So get ready for those. They're a lot of fun, and thanks for supporting the show thus far with your ratings and reviews in iTunes as well as your listenership. We really appreciate it, and we'll be back very soon with more comic creator interviews here in the Artist Edition feed.